Anyway, turn with me to John chapter 3. We're going to do a little bit of the Nicodemus story, and we'll see how we do with this. And Lord, uh, thank you for worship. We ask by your Holy Spirit, would you speak to each of us because you know where each of us are this morning? And it doesn't have to be anything that you're that I'm saying. We we all need um, a communication from you. We are your children. We are the sheep of your pasture. Thank you for today. In Jesus' name, your will be done while we're still together today. Amen. So I'm going to do New American Standard. I'm going to talk about Nicodemus for just a minute or two. So um, I don't know that I have great insight into it. It's just, you know, when you ponder, when you kind of sit back and try to be an observer, I've... uh, I guess it's because I was raised watching Rocky and Bullwinkle, you know, because when I go back in time and I was watching that and uh, and there was Mr. Peabody's history. Was that what it was called? The, the little section and, you know, and the little guy with the sweeping with the broom and throwing the stuff up. And then Mr. Peabody would go back and give you some little piece of history. Well, it's kind of it's kind of like that. You know, it's like. We're gonna, we, we get something out of it if we can put ourselves in the scene. So the scene is, and we again, we always know this stuff so well that we don't see it, but see it freshly. It's not. There is a Pharisee ruler named Nicodemus, and he wants to talk to Jesus. He's choosing to do it at night because, you know, there's a lot going around about this Jesus about who he is. Some like him, some don't. Okay, so at this point in time, roughly, if you go look up, before the destruction of the Second Temple, which is what, in 69 A.D., um, the famous uh, Josephus, who was a a Jewish kind of historian, said that there were about 6,000 Pharisees, so the Pharisee sect, uh, I couldn't find a number on how many Sadducees. There, there seems to be a lot lesser of them. The Sadducees were, um, they were kind of, uh, they made a better living than the Pharisees. The Pharisees were, were more with the common people, and the Sadducees usually had uh, business connections, and they, they were better off. And the, and the Sadducees, um, they... Um, Liked Torah, written. Now, Torah, you know, is the is the um, comes from the first five books that God gave Moses, right? And so you have Torah law, and so they liked the written version of that, and that's what they liked to stick to. They also didn't think that there was um, uh, that there was really a life after death. That there's pretty much you were dead, but you should you should walk with God anyway. Now, the Pharisees, on the other hand. They liked uh, the Torah, but they liked it in oral form. They liked, they took what Moses had given them in the written, and then they kind of rabbis 
start the rabbinical teachers of the Pharisees would add uh, thoughts and stuff, and they would kind of give that a lot of weight. We, we can see that in some church systems, and the Catholic Church has kind of a, you know, got the Scripture, and then you got what the popes are saying, and they give a lot of weight. So they, they liked that as a background. They liked um, the Old Testament, the prophets. They liked the, the written things of the prophets, what the prophets said. And uh, they also believed in the resurrection of the dead. They thought there would be a life afterwards. Okay, so this is the point you're coming from, this, this Nicodemus who is coming to visit Jesus. So that sets it up. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, means teacher, an honor, a way of a word of honor. Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. So his starting point is, I've been keeping up with what you're doing. You know, I have, you know, I've studied, I've read about the prophets down through the years, you know, and, and Famous, you know, like Moses was really big, you know, but, but there's a lot of different people. And so he knows, <clears throat> he has kind of these guidelines of what a, what a leader, kind of, a person from God would act like. And so Nicodemus is convinced he's that. So that's his starting point. But he's hungry to know more about who you are, this teacher that, I believe been sent by God. He and other friends. He was not the only one, you know. But there would be other, other ones. Um, okay. I'm trying to stay on this. So, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly. You know, that the King James, that's verily, very, verily, verily. You know, and that's like, you know, whenever you double something, that means this is a pretty big deal. I think it would be more stronger is a triple. When you say holy, holy, holy. Jewish people in their, in their idiom... It depends on how many times you say something, how big it was up to the, that point. So he says, truly, truly, so I'm about to say to you is this is, the, this is the way it is, okay? I say to you, unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's an odd phrase. You've got to be a Pharisee standing here looking for spiritual information from this person sent from God, that you're sure they are. And he's going to say something. Whatever he says is, I need to ponder this seriously, right? Okay, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born from above. Nicodemus says to him, how can a man be born when he's old? He can't enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born can he? Now, that sounds to us silly, but we're dealing with a person who believes this Jesus has been sent by God and that he might have some new insight to walking with God, just like the prophets before going all the way back to Moses, right? So when he starts this saying, I know you're a teacher, says from God, and Jesus starts this being Jesus, don't you just love him? He's just like, he'll take on anybody with just the truth. No matter how 
how it affects the other side of the table, the other person, he's just taking on stuff. <laughs> Jesus answered, verse 5, okay, here's again, truly, truly, this is what I'm about to tell you, this is a big deal. I say to you, unless one is born of water, natural birth, and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Um, okay, natural birth, yes, you know, and spiritual birth, he can't enter the kingdom. Well, as a Pharisee, I got all this other stuff. Uh, I, be I, I believe it. I believe what they've said. I believe what the prophets have said. I believe what Moses has said. I believe what's in all these writings. Am I in trouble? He's saying. Something, something's going on in Nicodemus right here. Something is going on in that. <laughs> he, he does that way of doubling, you know, saying it again in a different phrase. Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Okay, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You've got to have these two. And then he says, do not be amazed. Now, why would he say that to him unless Nicodemus looked like he was amazed? Like, he shook up in what Jesus has just said to him. Do not be amazed that I, that I say to you, you must be born from above. You must be born again. Wow. And then verse 8 is as I was pondering this, I realized this is one of, the, one of the values of the vineyard movement. I'm not saying the vineyard movement is better than anybody else's movement, but, you know, being around John Wimber and these people and, and, and their background, they, this was something that I didn't know what it was I was seeing. I just knew that I liked what I was seeing in these Christians that were part of this movement. As, as I met them the first time, and then, then I went to California, and I met them, and then I would get all these audio tapes of them, and then I would go to other places, and I just went, they're just not like the Christians I know. I mean, they're both Christian, but they just, they just have a different way of going about doing things. And, and, and this right here is, was, was a big deal, this next verse. They didn't say it was a big deal. They practiced it, though. They never say, oh, you got to believe verse 8 or you can't be in the... They didn't, never said that. They just did this. Look what he says to Nicodemus. Okay, so don't be amazed. I said to you, you must be born from above. Verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it. But you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Of course, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. This is something that when I met them, they practiced regularly without, without, without making a deal out of it. It wasn't like, you understand what I'm saying? You know, you've been around people where they got like so many steps. And it's like, this is a big deal to us, you know different groups they live this 
They never pull this verse out. They just, they just live this. I would be around them, and they would be talking about something that needed a spiritual answer, and one of them would say, well, let's just ask God. Now, I was raised Baptist. Nothing wrong with that. But when, when we said that, we meant that we would go off you know, we would pray on our own. We would come back the next time there was a meeting, Wednesday, Sunday, something, another Sunday night, and, and we might then tell what we thought we heard. They did it right then, right that second. They would stop. If it was lunch or something, they would just stop right then and kind of, they use different words, centering, you know, they just kind of uh, quiet themselves down. They usually shut their eyes, but not always. Sometimes they'd look into the sky, you know, they just, or they just stare. And they were listening, though. And then in a minute, they would start sharing what they were perceiving. One of them would be sharing something they saw in their mind. Another one, something they heard, or a verse that another one, they would flip through a Bible, they would look for a verse, they would, they would group bring out what they thought was going on. I didn't get it, except that it was really interesting that they were doing this. Yeah, and then pretty soon it was like, how did I learn to do what they just did? Because uh, you could tell it was just, it was um, something. Yeah, it was natural. Well, so this third person of the Godhead, this Holy Spirit doesn't act like Jesus, right? Here we got Jesus interacting with Nicodemus. Doesn't act like the Father, but fully God, third person. But the Holy Spirit has a different pattern of doing things. He, like the wind, the wind blows where it wishes. The Holy Spirit goes where it where he wishes and you hear the sound of it you have some sort of manifestation possibly so enough that you can sense that something spiritual is going on but you but on our part you don't know where it comes from what caused him deciding to come right then to a manifest level and you don't know where it's going you don't know what's next so is everyone that's born of the spirit we see this on all these college campuses right now, and we're really not sure, except that it, obviously now we're beginning to think this is God. And I've been asking a few friends that I know, and, and, I, and I've had it happen here with people visiting one week to pray for another friend that has Parkinson's. And uh, there was a, his best friend got us together. There was like seven or eight guys one morning like 9 or 10 a.m. sometime, and we were waiting, and uh, one of my friends named Wayne, we were waiting for him to come. Before we got kind of started, I thought we were going to pray, and, and when Wayne walked in the room, it was like throwing, plugging up the Christmas lights when you light the tree, and it's dark. You know, it's kind of like a Hallmark movie. You know, it's like he walked in, he walked in, and without anybody saying, now we're going to pray. no. Three of us fell on the floor in intercession for the, for the nation, for the youth, like we were bawling our eyes out for no reason. 
for 15 minutes. It didn't have anything to do with our friend that had Parkinson's. It just came over us. And since then, I've talked to other people, and they've talked about having this. So before whatever this is, maybe it's revival, this outpouring of peace that's happening on college with different people in different places, you know, and started Asbury and spread, you know. Michael Byam was telling me that all these Christians have shown up at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, and they're singing. They're at the Wailing Wall singing. There has been an outpouring in Uganda. Our friend Tracy is on her way back or wherever, and she's been over there, and she sent this, wrote this really great thing on Facebook yesterday or today or sometime I saw it. I read it this morning. Oh, it was such a testimony of her saying where, where she was in life before she went, and then she went, and the things, the effects of being there. You know, uh, God is on the move in different people's lives, but this verse helps me because, okay, he's on the move. What's he going to do next? Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. But it's God, probably. It looks like a real high probability that God is on the move. So when, when you and I are with somebody, or maybe in a few minutes, and you start praying for somebody, and all of a sudden you start getting something that's, you know, you kind of have to test it uh, with time, you know, or especially if it's like, you know, some friend saying, well, I think God says that you're supposed to move to Alaska. Yeah, I'd test that one. You know, that's a long way to find out you go all the way there, and then you go, you want where you're supposed to be. You know, he wanted you to go to Panama City or something. I don't know. I'm just, first things that come in my head, you know. Okay, um, boy, I got there faster than I thought. Let's do a few, a few more. I wrote all these lines, and like I just went, just ran all over all that stuff. So this waiting on God was something. I was going to just another second and go back. So John Wimber, they get saved. He and Carol, uh, some uh, her sister Penny brother-in-law, uh, Bob Fulton, Penny and Bob Fulton, and stuff. And they, they started going to a Bible study that was run by a, na- a, a man named Gunner. And, and, and uh, Gunter was a Quaker. And so they started going to a Quaker church, a friend's church. you know. And the word Quaker uh, is a derogatory nickname for the friend's church because part of their spiritual heritage was... They would just sit and wait on God to come or say something. And sometimes when you wait on God, God kind of likes that. And God would start coming every so often. And there were uh, this, they would shake. And so a news person was in one of their meetings and experiences from the back and wrote this in the paper and he says they were quaking and it stuck so the word quaker is just a newspaper guy writing about the friends church society of the friends you know and and they had other things wimber would practice um they they i can't remember what they call it uh it's 
not like passing the peace, but they practiced a habit of trying to be at peace with men. With other, they had other things if you go read about that. And so that, that's some of the earliest behaviors that started up. And the other one I, was, I remember I'm going to mention is, is this worship. Now, 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 worship like we all are doing today, it goes on all over the place. And it's not that the vineyard was like one of the first ones, but they were early in the United States at doing things, and it's such a simple thing. They were meeting at a guy's house called, I think, Rick Wickwire, I think. I know his first name is Rick, in Yorba Linda, and they were all in different churches, and they were like youth ministers and doing different things. So at 9 o'clock at Rick's house, they would get together in the evening after they had all done church. And so uh, Carol Wimber, uh, John was on the road traveling uh, in church growth uh, for the Fuller Seminary. Uh, and uh, Carl Tuttle, who's been here, Carl's had, you know, some physical problems lately, you know. And um, so, but, but Carl brought his guitar and they would start singing songs. Now, they would sing your typical folk Christian songs, you know, but, but they noticed something, that every now and then when they would pick out a song that was directly to God, it felt different. To the point that Carl mentioned this to Carol, and Carol's really, uh, she's pretty good at at stuff she might not say she was but she was good at picking up on stuff and they start talking about uh did you notice that when we sing those songs to jesus that it seemed to change than the other songs the christian little songs we were doing so carl got him a stack of index cards three by five cards and he looked up the word worship everywhere in the bible and wrote the verse wrote it out then he then he separated them into groups he didn't know that God was like, you know, it's, it's funny how, you know, it didn't seem like a big spiritual, like we're on a great adventure and we're going to do this with three by five cars. He stacked them and uh, they started in discussing this. And like one of the words for worship was like a puppy licking his master's feet. So it kind of dawned on that, wow, God really likes us to in worshiping and song is just one form of that. But he really likes for us to direct ourselves toward him. So they started purposely doing this with their songs. And the, I don't remember how many were there in the beginning when they, yeah, enough to fill up the living room. And Carol, when John was off back from being on the road, she says, John, I'd like you to come by. Rick's house, Sunday night. We've been meeting for a while, and I think something's going on spiritually. He said, yeah. She says, there's so many people, we can't get them in the house. They're like standing outside. You know, of course, Southern California, the weather's good almost all the time. They raised the windows. They were all standing around the house singing these songs, and the house was full. And John came the first time, and he said, yeah, I don't think this was going anywhere. I just, you know, uh, God started talking to him later, but, and that was, that's another story for another day. But, but that was the beginning of them starting to put an emphasis 
on singing. Now, when I met them, they sang every time they did anything. Like it could be four o'clock in the afternoon and they were going to have a get together, have coffee and, and cookies or something. And somebody would have a guitar and they would start singing for three or four songs. I thought, wow, they really, they're over the top with this stuff. You got to remember, I'm coming from a place that we, you know, Michael Bynum and I played guitars, but, but we were for the youth group that were doing like uh, musicals. They were back then, tell it like it is, and good news and stuff. And so he and I were, stood on either side being left-handed. I was on one side, he was on the other side, and there was a piano player. And we provided the part for the choir to practice. And then we sang in different churches. We'd go around, and we had all this clothes. We all matched, and we'd sing. And, yeah, that's like the 60s, late 60s of the last century, long time ago. So just know that when you go see the movie, you know, the uh, Jesus Revolution. Now, the hippies were getting saved on the West Coast, but we were Baptists, and we were going around singing in Baptist churches and Methodist churches all around this area. We did hundreds of churches. Every Sunday night, we sang it. And the hardest part was, after it was all over, we always sang, Just As I Am. And every time someone came down to rededicate themselves or whatever, we took it around again. And if you're a guitar player, you can do that four or five times. It's not bad. But when it's on the 60th time, it, you know, here we go again. It's like, can I just sit out this one and just sing on this one? Because my fingers hurt, you know. But, and I told you that Lonnie Frisbee, I met him one time. He was coming down some steps. I don't know what building I was in. I don't know where we were. It was dark, and I knew his voice from his testimony that I'd gotten a copy of, of when he was at the vineyard at Yorba Linda or Anaheim, wherever it is. It was Mother's Day, 1980. So I knew his voice, and I heard the voice behind me, and I told the people, I was going, stop for a minute. I'm going back up here. Lonnie Frisbee's behind me. How do you know? I, I know the voice. So I found him. And I, I just said, I just want to thank you for you doing your testimony on Mother's Day and ministering at the vineyard. And I've just listened to that a bunches of times. And he was polite. Well, you're welcome, you know. He turned around. He had a skating jacket on, had the word Lonnie written on the back of it. So I knew it was the right guy. That was it. So that doesn't have anything to do with any of this. Okay, so um, we talked about, I talked about worship. I talked about the Holy Spirit. Um... Verse 9, Nicodemus says to him, how can these things be? This is just really blowing his mind. How can, these, how, how can these things be? And Jesus answers and says to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? You're supposed to know stuff. <laughs> truly, truly, I say to you, we speak, meaning him, of what? of what we know and testify of what we've seen and you do not accept our testimony. I'm telling you, this is the way it is, whether you like it or not. If I told you earthly things, verse 12, and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? This is, to Jesus, this is just your normal, this is the way it works. The natural place you and I are sitting on, on uh, these floors, these tiles over in there, these poles, 
This tin, this building's been here since 1894. It's still here. Building next door is 1901. This is natural. This is like of the flesh. This is the world you and I are in. But this is with inside of something bigger spiritually, which is the kingdom of God. God's presence, the spirit realm. The natural realm is inside the spirit realm. So the spirit affects what goes on in the natural. From the spirit realm, God said, let there be light. Bam. The beginning of the natural realm that we see in Genesis started from the spirit realm. And it's still that way. Sometimes we get that little confused, but. Verse 13, no one is ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the son of man. The name he likes to, uh, statement, phrase he likes to claim about himself. <clears throat> As Moses was lifted up, Lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so, must the Son of Man be lifted, be lifted up. He's going to, he's, he's giving this hint of, you know, when they had all the snakes and Moses says, what should we do, God? He says, make a bronze snake and put it up on a pole and everybody gets bitten. Let them look at that and they'll live. You know, and that worked because it was God's idea. Gave it to Moses. Moses did this. It worked. 400 years later, they still had the bronze serpent. There were people starting to really worship the bronze serpent. Humans are just want to worship. So they had to, they had to end up get rid of the bronze serpent. You know, it took them 400 years ago. You know, this is probably not a good thing to keep around because it's kind of getting in the way of real worship. I think it was for. Yeah. 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 You know, and in America, I'm not surprised that people haven't made little bronze serpents to, like and sell them on TV on their, on their television show. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of silly, but we just, we, just, we just do stuff. Verse 15, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. I should probably back up because that's all one. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only unique Son, his begotten Son, that who, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged, but he who does not believe has been judged already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. I think we're seeing this a lot in our culture, that right there. 
right now. For everyone who does evil hates the light and doesn't come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be, may be manifested, seen, experienced, as having been wrought in God. So, today, what? What's it about? Um, may we all watch for, look for, the Spirit moving. And then lean into that. Now, Wimber was always trying to get the people in the early days of the vineyard to lean into it, to take a risk. Because because we hate to fail. And he says, well, risk is spelled, uh, faith is spelled R-I-S-K, taking a risk. That's how he says, you want to say you got faith? Well, take a risk. Because if you think about it, well, God so loved us. He sent his only son. We can't miss. We might miss the moment, but in the moment of testing stuff, we learn Jamie, what was the verse we, you and I were talking about this morning? The uh, tr- uh, We learned through uh, testing stuff. Huh? Afflict? No, no, no it's just like, uh, it's, just, it's just a New Testament verse. I don't think it's in the Gospels. I think it's something Paul wrote. We were talking while you were practicing, I'm sorry, during worship, but we were, when you were warming up. Yeah, it was, be, yeah, it was because you were, yeah, you were, yeah, you were practicing with God, so then it made it really clear we had all this stuff. That, so it, now we don't, I don't remember it. I guess, uh, well, it's in there somewhere. I'll find it and tell you. Okay, any, uh, it's 11.44. Anybody got something? Okay, announcements now. Well, let's see, the 4 o'clock today, Michael Bynum is speaking at the 4 o'clock today. He comes once a month to the 4 o'clock, so he's coming today, and Todd will lead worship. Okay, and uh, since they didn't have breakfast, I don't know when the next breakfast. It is this this coming Saturday? Okay, so it's what, like 8.30? Okay, so they have a lot of neat stories to tell. Over there, uh, there was someone with a shin problem on their shin, and uh, they got to pray for them, and there seemed to be some effects of stuff happening, so that was good. Um, let's see, there are a couple of meetings online. Oh, okay, so Thursday night, yeah, recovery meeting has been moved to 6.30 every Thursday night next door. Okay, and then the other meetings are... I know one of them's on Wednesday. Is there a Tuesday meeting? Y'all talking about reading Psalms. You're in Psalms now. Okay, so y'all reading through Scripture and y'all discussing Psalms. Now, is that Tuesdays? Now, on Wednesday is Bible. Aren't both of those in the Bible? It's like Tuesday and Wednesday? Or, oh, you're picking Psalms is, the, is like the Bonhoeffer book. But, I mean, it's like Psalms, 
depth, deep song. To, oh, right then. So, so if you if one of y'all want to get involved with this, they they like find you online. You're you you. Yeah, yeah, but not online. I'm gonna not gonna do that. Okay, she's not on Facebook. <laughs> yes. Yes. Put a message and then we'll find we'll find you. Okay. And then on Wednesdays it's uh line by line. No, that w- Well, I I I tend to uh do counseling at that time at night but I just know that when I come through the room I've never heard so much laughing and giggling that's going on in in my kitchen so I know y'all are having a really good time because y- y'all are just like crazy some nights like uh, <laughs> well they were they were having <laughs> so if you're watching this online take a risk the Holy Spirit, don't like you. Don't have to understand Him always. Just when you think it's the Holy Spirit, kind of go that way and see. It needs to kind of the fence is kind of scripture, you know. Don't get out into crazy stuff, and then we'll have to meet, you know. So, yes, money. Oh, money. Uh, there's baskets in the middle of the room. Out there, yeah, I left that out totally last week when we led just songs all week. I mean, like all offering, offering baskets are in the middle of the room, and some envelopes there, and you can put it there or you can put it in the mailbox slot that's kind of golden on the other building out there, which is where I do things, and or you can there's online on the online website there's up in a corner somewhere that you can give online, right? Okay. So, yes, wow, it's May, for Katie, and uh, Nori and Barbie are coming through here, uh, I saw it, and I meant to write it down, and they're going, they'll be here for, I don't know, two or three different opportunities of worship before they head to Japan, I think, first Sunday in April, okay, so yeah, because they're, they're going to Japan again, okay, and like, wow, well, okay. So, anybody needs some prayer? Jim, are some of y'all going over there on the carpet? Okay. And um, we'll all kind of wander around. Lord, thank you for today.